And uh, that was Fleetwood Mac with Go Your Own Way. Now, next on uh, Radio Attack, we have a seminal artist, um, one that needs no introduction. Uh, you may know him from such hits as They Got My Yoshi, Damn They Got My Yoshi, and Misery Personified by Sony. His name, um, Tom Parry. Welcome to the program, Tom. How Hi, Matt. Hi, it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you, how are um, you doing? <laughs> Yeah, uh, with your recent developments of um, your newest your newest work, um, seminal mm. piece, uh, and it appears it, it's coming exclusively to the PlayStation Five. Oh yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm really uh, privileged to uh, have this uh, this work exclusively on Sony's uh, <laughs> benchmark platform. I guess it would be more pleasantly received if uh, people could actually own that platform. It seems quite tricky to do so. Yes, it seems very uh, exclusive uh, currently. Uh, we would love to get <laughs> it out to a wider audience, but uh, there, there are several factors preventing that currently. Oh, that's a shame. Well, for those of you out there who are not so lucky enough to get a PlayStation 5, uh, we're going to play you the, the first track off of um, Tom's new album now, uh, and it goes a little bit like this. It's Tom and Matt Attack. <laughs> I was really put on the spot there. I've never, I've never been interviewed before. It's quite, it's quite exciting. Yeah, did you your fictional things of me going? Oh shit! I should probably. I thought about the intro enough to be like, I'm going to do a fake Radio Four introduction, yeah. and then was like, oh no, actually, I haven't thought this through. I need song titles or something, and an well, actual point to this. That was great improv. Thank you. Wow. I try my best. Um, how you are you really doing, Tom Barry? Before I get into my bitter, oh. bitter rage, I'm breaking out in a sweat. Um, not just because I had to improvise there uh, with you, but uh, because it's incredibly hot here uh, in the UK uh, currently, and I, I'm not complaining, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm warm looking at to... you. I may have to actually take off my hoodie, because you, you I... look sweltering. I have to close windows and doors and such when we podcast, just because of the outside noise. So, um, yeah, think of me as we record this, you know, slowly melting I mean, yes, I, I, it is like a time-lapse of a candle in front of me. Yes. I can see you're uh, getting warmer uh, and warmer feel... as the, the time without a fan goes by. Um, yes. Speaking of uh, time going by without something, Tom Parry, I hear you've got a PlayStation 5. Well, I haven't got it yet, but yes, I was successful in purchasing one online uh, in this last week, yes. That must be nice. Uh, yeah, it was sort of like, uh, I've done it, you know, I've, you know, I've got the... Um, the artifact. I don't know. I, I, it's like the chase was uh, very exciting, and now I've done it. It's sort of like, but I haven't got the uh, actual uh, object in my hands yet. It's not come to you yet. I mean, no, because it was only a pre-order. This was on very uh, UK uh, catalog site. I think they're Littlewoods, technically. Okay. Yeah, well, I is think. that is that what became of Littlewoods? I think so. I think Littlewoods is very. Or are they all part of the Hook group, which is Zavi as well? I'm not very I, sure. Yeah, I, I'm. A, yeah, it's a little confusing. But it's one of them catalogue shops, and uh, they have done uh, 
they've had the PS5 obviously in stock before and they've not always been able to fulfill uh, their orders. So, um, you know, only time will tell if I actually will get a PS5. We could be doing a podcast in a in a week or so where I say, actually, they had to refund me and I'm back to square one. So, I mean, let's let's see, Tom. I mean, I, I would not be pleased by that uh, for no, you. No, but it has happened. Uh, it, so I was able to get one through the, I think, the usual means. I was checking at a um, on a YouTube stock checker yeah. Uh, which which it's great it's very exciting because the siren will go off when something's in stock but sometimes the problem is i don't know if it's because there's so much traffic the actual video will blur so you can't actually see where the actual drop has happened right <laughs> so there'll just be the siren blaring so then i jumped onto twitter to uh ps5 uk deals i'm not sure if that's the exact twitter account but they're, they're pretty good and uh, there they were saying that game had one in and Very had one in. Um, I was in a queue for game. It didn't work out. Uh, Very dropped the uh, discless version first. Yeah. And I lost out on the game one. Next time I checked back, the um, the Very one was uh, disc version had dropped. And I think I was lucky enough just to get there as they just dropped the uh, disc version. Uh, they had already, this was in the first like three minutes, sold out of the console on its own. And there were only bundle deals available, but you know we're at a time when Ratchet and Clank has just come out. So Ratchet and Clank was actually one of the bundles, along with another controller. I think that was the only one that was available, apart from even more expensive ones. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know, Ratchet and Clank, X controller, can't go wrong there. They're both things I'd like. So I went for it, and it, the order went through with no waiting rooms and. Uh, no cues or anything, and it was it was quite nice. It was for a change because my experience yeah. up to then, even with Very, was waiting rooms and game as the queue and shop two had the queue and yeah. So it's fairly stressless experience, and it's so much so it's kind of unbelievable that it was so easy. It was very easy, you could say. Yeah, but I mean, are you very sure that you're going to get it? Is the question. Well, yeah, I'm not. Very sure. Yeah, this is the thing. It's uh, it's there. The order's in. It's not been dispatched yet. It says should get to me by the 26th, 25th of June. Uh, That's when I should receive it by. So it could arrive before then. But we shall we shall see. I shall I shall keep you up to date. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry uh, that you haven't been able to get one (laughs) as of yet. Hey, man, like I was thinking about it yesterday because my my sister-in-law has been away working during the pandemic and she is coming home and i remember having a conversation with her boyfriend in person before she left and said oh i just got my playstation 5 pre-order in finally ha 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 and the fact that uh, she is almost home it was about nine months since i pre-ordered one it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. You were there with the pre-order to begin with, but it's not made any easier by the fact you're in Denmark, is it? You were saying it's harder no, to get I, one. There. I mean, I don't know how true this is. I read a thing that essentially said, like, yeah, apparently Denmark only got 500 consoles at launch. Um, it is a very small video game market. Like, I often laughed with you sometimes when we'd go to GameStop. Um, and the the top selling game would be NHL, like three months after it came out. Cause I or handball, people... the latest handball game. <laughs> oh, I mean handball's big all over Europe though. That yeah. that doesn't surprise me that much. But it, it's just like, I think it was on the week. I can't remember if it was a Final Fantasy or a Grand Theft Auto. Something big came out, mm. and NHL was number one on the charts here. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? 
So, I mean, I to be fair, I also think that Denmark is a generally a nation of PC gamers, from what I understand as well. So perhaps mm. there's a bit of that mixed in with the console madness, but still. Yeah, I was actually doing something for, for work the other day, and it involved me looking up gaming lifestyle images. Uh, I needed something for a presentation I was putting together. But... Uh, I looked for gaming lifestyle images, and all it was was PCs and neon lights and gaming chairs. And yeah. it was like, that was not my in my head, that is not my idea of gaming. It's sitting on a sofa with a controller, maybe the old Nintendo uh, family around, you know, playing yeah. Mario or whatever. And gaming has, has changed somewhat in my head. The picture I have in my head is not the current state of uh, video gaming. I mean, I, I would push one further, and I think the view of modern gaming, especially if you're talking about, like, preteens tweens and teens yeah it's probably a kid on an ipad like um yeah. we had guests a couple of months ago and they brought their son and we went to the the various places that you can take children here in denmark and um he was very much into roblox um the entire uh, yeah, time and they so all are just all the kids wa- love a bit of roblox play roblox and programming languages of that and i was like oh this is kind of neat but also really clunky um and so, yeah, actually, this is probably a nice segue before I just mm. rage about how I can't play fucking the new Final Fantasy VII or Ratchet & Clank um, into what I have actually been playing. I've played a new release, Tom Parry, for a console that is readily available um, uh, called yeah. the Nintendo Switch. So is it readily, readily available now, though? Because even that, in the UK at least, was hard to get a hold of for quite a time. I have, I've seen multiple Nintendo Switches over the last okay. couple of days. I think Perhaps. if you want to switch... You can get one now. I've even uh, seen copies of Ring Fit Adventure, so I, I think we're past the, st- yeah. the days of... I know this because uh, Claire couldn't get a Switch. Uh, she had to resort to eBay, and the prices were slightly inflated at the time. I remember you saying, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the Switch Lite was readily available. It was the other Switch that was harder to, to get, the regular one. Yeah, and I mean, let's even see, based on it being E3 season... Uh, whether or not this Switch Pro will finally be nah. released as well. Nah, Let's nah, see. nah. Let's I don't see think it's going to happen. I don't think there is a Switch Pro. And I you... think if there is a Switch Pro, it's not a Switch Pro. It's just a new model of the Switch, which is it's... substantially more powerful than the existing one. That would be my guess. It would be like, the new Switch! Um, it would have it'll... a better screen, I would imagine. Maybe more uh, internal memory. Uh a more know. expensive Joy-Con that doesn't drift would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I would pay for that. Um, Maybe more ergonomic. More ergonomic. I mean, to be fair, I I don't mind the ergonomics of the Switch. I think it's a pretty nice console in the mm. hand compared to, say, the 3DS, which, as long-term listeners will know, not a fan of the ergonomics that fucked up my wrists. Um, the Yeah, so I, I've been playing a new game. It came out on Friday um, called um, Game Builder Garage, and it is a piece of software from nintendo that essentially allows you within a limited space to play games and to create games um, like dreams for the switch y- yes and no um so i i think the thing with dreams is the possibility space uh, to use the technical term of dreams is very high i think if you want with dreams you can craft 3d models you can compose music you can do all of these yeah. absolutely insane things if you can work things. out how to do it because yes exactly can't. it is a full creative suite of tools which seems very impressive but also very intimidating to me which yeah, is absolutely really... i tried dreams i could not get my head around it um yeah is this any easier 
Gino. Right. Um, What's your experience so I, with this? I started playing Game Builder Garage, and like the there is like um, oh god, what do they call them? Interactive lessons and a free programming section. You don't unlock the free programming until at least you've done the first of like the, the interactive lessons. Hmm. And so you're getting it's very charming as you would expect from a Nintendo game. You were taught by like two moving cursors, uh, one of which is like very exciting and his name's Bob and he likes to, you know, he's like, "Yeah, we're going to build a game. We're going to do this. I'm going to tell you everything you need to do. You're going to build this game." It isn't this intense. It's text. He's not irritating though. No. It is it, yeah. it t- Thomas text on the screen. I'm I'm interjecting uh. my character on top of this as uh, I have to do. Okay. And then you you have another doc called Alice, and her her role is essentially saying like, yeah, Bob Bob's pretty enthusiastic. Like, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna give you little tests in between making these games to make sure you understand what we did in that lesson. That's nice of her. Yeah, it is. Um, it's quite handholdy that way because to to Alice's credit, she's very right about Bob in that the first game you built is like a simple tag game. And it's very straightforward, and it's like, hey, um, you can you can make a game. A game is a very easy thing to make. You have this space, and we're going to explore it. We're going to do things with it. And the way that this game kind of teaches a visual language of programming is is kind of similar to Scratch, if you're familiar with this. I'm um, not. No. Scratch is an MIT programming language that was developed to help kids code. I believe it's used in like Lego Boost and a few other things like that. But okay. what it is, ah, is essentially... I know what it is, so yeah. yeah it's yeah. like very colourful boxes that kind of give a form to code rather than just being yeah. written. So you can put like an if statement will be literally a box that says if dot 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 and then, um, you know, pink rabbit... Uh, does whatever, then mm. do this. So, like, if yeah. Pink Rabbit touches blue box, Pink Rabbit explode. You link um, these boxes together. Yeah. And, yeah. What Nin- what Nintendo have done with this is they have, they've kind of taken my understanding of what Scratch is to the next level in making it almost kind of Dreamweaver esque. If I'm honest, like they. Mm. You have like a game screen, and the game screen itself is one of these nodons, these little characters that all have like personalities based on what they do. And you define the space and say, okay, the screen is this size, the the characters and all the objects and things you can literally physically scale down, even though they're pieces of code. It, it's kind of a very nice blend of very simple programming and like almost drag and drop visual aesthetics so you can you can bring things together very easily so for example you you put your you put your screen size you go cool there's a screen size you literally use boxes or objects to like drop them in the world and go cool this is a platform and you can click on that platform and assign attributes to it if it's visible if it's destructible if it's destructive i.e. if you touch it you die versus if you touch it it blows up Hmm. um if you can you know if it's solid so if you pass through it when you jump and all these kind of things you assign these attributes it's all very straightforward it's all touch screens it's like yeah i want this to explode 
grand. You can change the color, you can do whatever with it, you can tilt it, you can scale it by dragging and everything else. But then the game, the first game is like, hey, you built a tag game. And so all you're doing is putting two people in there, building like a small course, saying, okay, this person's controlled by the right Joy-Con and B is jump. If this person touches this person, this person explodes. And so it's, it's very quick and very easy. And it's like, okay. You can, can you add this. your own spin at this point or not? What's that? Can you add your own sort of spin on that at this point in the game? Or is it very at, much you do what it tells you and it creates one thing? At this point in the game, you are doing what it says. It kind okay. of gives you a little bit of freedom by saying, hey, let's like, hey, make it whatever color you want. It doesn't have to be an apple that you pick up to win the game. It could be a banana. Like, Okay, it but it's little... nice that it gives you that option. Yeah. At that point, it... that makes you feel like you have some sort of something to do. Yeah, some say in what's happening. And the game is also very good at like saying once those games are finished in inverted commas, it's like, hey, go nuts, go experiment, go do whatever you want. The like change comes. the button for jump, for example. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not during the tutorial, but no, afterwards. No. After that, it's like, hey, we're going to show you that um, you can make games that aren't just controller-based. Like, you, you can control the, the Switch by tilting it, and you make a game that is essentially like a, a maze game, like a, mm. like a labyrinth, like an old-school one, where you're rolling a ball around a maze to collect uh, yeah. apples, and if you collect five apples, you win. Yeah. But I have to admit, it could be that I was playing it at, like, 9 o'clock last night, and I was a bit tired. The, the like the mechanics of making the game itself were very easy. It's like, hey, pull blocks in, you know, make a maze. You do this. Are you using touchscreen at this point? Yeah, right? you can. Yeah. You can use touchscreen yeah. or you can use the analog sticks. Mm. It's a bit of a combination of both. It's like, ah, you can drag this in. You can do this. You can do that. And I'm like, oh, great, this is quite fun. And then it came to creating the statement that essentially said, like, hey, if you collect five apples, you win the game, and like confetti goes off. Hmm. that started to get a bit complicated. And I was like, I can, okay, I can follow this roughly. I understand what it's trying to do. Hmm. But I'm like, okay, if it starts to ramp like this on every single one of these games, because the next one I will build will be a a side-scrolling shooter. And I imagine that's going to get a bit more complicated because it's going to auto-scroll. Then I'm not sure it's actually going to be as easy as... I was hoping it would be. Yeah. So th- making games isn't easy, really. You can try no. and make it as easy as possible, but it will, there will be it will be a certain amount of uh, complication. Yeah, for sure. And I also, you know, I, I I kind of I expect that. I understand that programming is difficult. I understand, you know, the thing that a lot of people say around making games is almost an impossible process it takes like three or four months to make something fun and then you flesh that out even mm. with an indie game like something with cyberpunk apparently took like three or four years to in commas find the fun because it's mm. such a big complicated thing to make something that is actually entertaining it isn't just like a oh go from a well to this B. is it yeah any Difficult. game that succeeds in providing that fun factor is, is a major achievement and i don't think games are always recognized uh for what they've done really what they've achieved yeah exactly because people say oh um, this is a bit oh, i don't like this this isn't very good is it you know whatever no man and like that's 
been very interesting when I've been looking at like things on the internet today. I saw something where someone had been having a go at um, at Insomniac for the the plants in Ratchet and Clank oh my not God. interacting I... with the characters. And I'd seen this and like I don't know, man. There's a level of there's a level of entitlement sometimes to to yeah, games, you try and do it, yeah. to art, <laughs> to everything else from people who don't make stuff. That kind of always blows my mind. It's like, oh well, I want my value for money. I've spent seventy pound on this game. I'm like, yeah, but does it matter that you can interact with the plant? Like... Yeah, are you having fun? Is the main thing. That that's what I came back to with with Biomutant and all the sort of nitpicking that was done surrounding that when it was released um but it was fun and i really liked it and there wasn't so many issues people like to it seems like they're looking for issues like they can't accept that it as it is they have to find something wrong with it it's it's a lot like with with films isn't it as well or tv programs people always focus in on the smallest aspects that they you know negative aspect of it that they don't like, and, and and that it sort of eclipses everything else that's so gr- great about it. Yeah, that seems to be uh, Twitter for you, doesn't it? <laughs> or whatever. It seems to be where you find a lot of that sort of criticism. Yeah, it is, and I mean, like, especially we are in the nichest of niche Twitter halls. I think sometimes, and it's mm-hmm. it, it kind of outstanding. It's outstanding, but I mean, like you have this level of entitlement across many things. It isn't just video games. It is movies. No. It is everything else. Like, I understand TV shows. By the way, slight side tangent. You haven't got Disney Plus at the moment, have you? No, I haven't. You should watch Loki, Tom. That's all I'm going to say. I'm Trailer looked great, yeah. I'm, I mean, it, I'm more it, for watching it. I just it, <laughs> Interesting story. I, I love a bit of Owen Wilson, and the aesthetic is like... 70s modernism slash futurism and so I believe to me, like... the trailer made me think of Brazil a little yes it is, it is okay yeah it's definitely Brazil vibes that's all okay, I'm gonna say yeah yeah the, mm, the film yeah. Brazil the, uh, yeah no, <laughs> I, 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 for I listeners not familiar with the movie, yes no with the, don't the, worry the... not the country it doesn't no <laughs> no, I mean, no um yeah so I, I I've been playing it I'm gonna play a bit more of it I will aim to at least do one of these tutorials a day and then maybe start to mess around but i will say based on based on what i can see within like the objects and things right now i think i think you'll be able to make games i think that won't be the issue mm. i think yeah is is the amount of stuff in there like so, for example, you can give uh, objects um, properties almost. So you can make like the ball I was rolling around the maze look metallic, for example. Mm. But those textures are predefined, and there's only like four of them. And so, like, I made the maze grass, and it looked like a football pitch. And I was like, "Oh, but that that wasn't what I thought you meant by grass." Okay, I guess I'll change it back to like wood. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, am I am I gonna be limited by?" Not limited by what I can actually program, but limited by the aesthetic choices. Yeah, I have yeah. seen some kind of like pixel art editor within the trailer, but I'm wondering, is that going to be robust enough, or will there be a way you can kind of import some other stuff 
mm. but maybe that's just their way around getting people like making Mario and making Sonic and making whatever like you see in dreams. Who knows? Yeah, it sounds to me very much this is a little bit more accessible than dreams, but not offers. It's not as robust an offering. No, as, as exactly. Uh, but I, I mean, to be fair, I, I think. If you are someone who's curious about how games are made and how programming works, especially if you have no understanding of that, mm. I think this might be a nice entryway. I think it is yeah. very, I think it is accessible at least at understanding the basics. Let's see how that ramp up goes. I think it might be more my level. Yeah, uh, than it... than dreams. I think dreams is very difficult to just get into, and even though it really tries hard to sort of guide you through it, I personally found it very very difficult. I didn't like the patronizing um narrators <laughs> they you talk to you like like a school teacher talking to a very young child and uh yeah it just made me feel stupid the fact i couldn't do it it's not yeah i wouldn't say it's patronizing here yeah. but i would i will remind you that this is a game made for children so like mm. the language is very like to be fair i think you like it because it's very twee and british like the language they use it's mm. very it's very friendly it's very balamory it's not like it's not talking down to you but it's like oh yeah great let's do this this is going to be swell you know what i mean okay. like yeah yeah that sounds all right I, yeah. i'll have to try it i have to look at some videos and such i'm curious about it because that was my intention dreams is i was really excited about dreams i thought i was going to be making games and all i use it for now is occasionally going on seeing what people have made, which is incredibly impressive, especially yeah. you know, some of the Sonic stuff. It's, it's got a lot of spotlight. Uh, it's been really good stuff made. I mean, there's loads more than Sonic, but yeah. as a fan, you know, you gravitate towards certain things. Um, so, yeah, no, it sounds interesting. I'm interested. It's about uh, $30, is it? I look so. Um, it's, it's not as expensive quid, as some, yeah. There's another thing called Fuse 4 I've heard of. I think it's Fuse 4. Apparently that's available on Switch and is slightly cheaper and does a similar thing. Okay. Closest competitor, I'm just reading an article here on PCMag, UKPCMag.com. And it says, yeah, that's available for $20 and is similar in the way you program the game. Interesting. Yeah, so that sounds great. Yeah, Let's see how I, popular that is. I, I have enjoyed my time well. with it. I'm going to at least, you know, get through the tutorials and try and make something hmm. with Kudos it. Kudos to Nintendo for releasing something like that. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, I think, you know, like I can, based on what I'd seen of um, Family Friends Kid playing Roblox, I think there's something in that. You know what I mean? That they Nintendo mm. clearly seen Roblox and them them going like, hmm, maybe we can make something like this. Yeah. I, to be fair, I think an ac- an excellent companion piece to this game, if you are a bit older and actually like the idea of learning about programming while playing a game, is still Baba is You. Mm. I think Baba is You is still a fantastic game. I never beat it because it got very technical at some point and so i was like okay this this is beyond my limitations of my understanding of code but also just because it's very hard puzzles that game and like how it shows how code works and how behaviors in games actually Mm. apply to certain objects and certain things 
I think might be a good companion piece if you just want to like peek behind the veil to understand a little bit how games are made. Yeah. I mean, it's not gonna. It is. It kind of shies away from the fact that, hey, all of these assets are something that someone had to create. Like this metal texture, this apple, this this character rigging of a person that moves are all additional assets beyond the programming part. And even the background music, the background music does this thing where you get a node on for background music and you can kind of select between, I think it's like four or five different style. Oh no, actually it's more than that. I think there's like 20 different styles of like music that are, are titled by emotion. So there's like mm. fast paced. There's like, um, surprised. Oh, it's like, like YouTube video library, uh, music library. Sorry. Yeah, kind of, but yeah. it, it does a very interesting thing that I've not really seen before in that it has be inside of those things. So like, if you go like fast paced, um, you, you click on it and it has like three or four different, layered modules of music and so like it one of them will be like guitar clarinet or whatever and you can click on that different instrument and it will be playing a slightly different melody and then there'll be like one that is essentially drums and so he's like oh yeah. trance trance drums and it's like doo, 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 doo. Mm. Mm. um you you can you can pick and choose those things and make it silent but the interesting thing is I've not really within those like parameters come across any music that sounds shit. <laughs> it gives you the it gives you the what? feeling of like, oh I composed this. Look at this. I it lets you put together different parts, but they all work together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they've been designed all to work together, I see. Exactly. And yeah. like that's to me, I think that's perhaps the biggest disservice of this game at the moment. Is kind of it's obscuring how much work and how much creativity mm. has gone into these individual elements that they're then giving you to play with. But I mean, for a child, I guess they don't need to understand. You know that. what? I think it would be really fun, and I'm not sure if the game does anything like this. But if you need some music, you go to a character like the composer, and you say, "Oh, I want something like this," and he's get little, you know, he's a little character on his sc- yeah, screen. Yeah. And he's oh yes, I'll compose you something like this. And you go to the artist, and the artist uh, working away says, "Oh, take me a little while, you know. What's the deadline? You know, <laughs> just to give you a great yeah, idea." A reflection of, what it would of actually, ourselves there. Would be it's like, like, oh god, I don't know. I'm pretty busy this week. I've got meetings <laughs> from five to four. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, no, I, 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 no, it's, it's not done in that style. But no, like, no. I you think could do they... something like that though. Uh, maybe even could... a more simpler game, just to give you an insight into uh, team management and uh, yeah. deadlines. And I mean, different... I, I, I could quite see something like that in almost like a WarioWare visual style. Of yeah. Just, you know, Wario being the person who goes around the game yeah, studios yeah. <laughs> and tries to get them to make these ridiculous three-second games. Oh, man, that would be ace. Why didn't Nintendo do that? Well, we should is, make the next WarioWare. Wario... What about WarioWare DIY? Remember that? Yeah, but like I want, I want the stress of WarioWare yeah. DIY. You know what? I Why? hardly played WarioWare DIY. D D D. Oh gosh, DIY. DIY. It's because I said it wrong. Not DOA. 
DOA. No. Wario Wire Dead or Alive <laughs> would be interesting. Think of the jiggle well, on that Well, that game man. wasn't very popular. I remember it being um, sold very cheaply, so it was, I guess, pretty much dead on arrival, wasn't it? Because nobody bought the thing. But Well, I mean, this is always the issue with creative tools, right? Mm. Like, there are people out there who like them. I mean, there's a reason that you and I as creative people are talking about this. But I think yeah. someone told me an interesting statistic a couple of years ago that apparently... I think less than 5% of people who engage with YouTube actually create content for it. Like, Uh the number of people who actually create and produce content is generally very low to the number of people who consume content. Yeah, well, that that sort of makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, like, let's be honest here, that is still hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, because a lot of people use YouTube, but... So more people watch TV than make TV programs. Well, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> to be fair, like, when you when you think about TV and, like, the... the well, I mean, you know, certain shows have big casts, but, yeah, it, it's definitely a disproportional range of how many people watch TV, obviously, versus how many but people make TV. But it often feels like everyone's trying to create content on YouTube, you know, but... Yes. Yeah, I imagine the amount of people doing that is actually quite small proportion to those yeah, who just it is. like watching the latest stuff. Yeah, you know, that's how it goes. Um, oh, actually, speaking of which, just a brief tangent before I hand over the floor to you. Uh, it's seven years of biographic today. Um, mm, it's I the saw. seventh I, anniversary. I like, I like the colourful uh, graphic. Well I done. Not, I did not make the colourful graphic. That is a Twitter Do you know what? When thing. I saw it, it reminded me of uh, an image that I'd seen that was related to Ubisoft uh you know, when, when they were, say, or premiering yesterday, they're premiering their UB forward thing, which we'll talk yeah. about in a bit. But they used a similar sort of rainbow type image for okay. that. Anyway, head okay. over to Matt's uh, <laughs> Game Boy or Twitter account. And, yeah, uh, and I, I yeah. will put something up later, I think. I will actually like do a State of the Nation, because obviously I haven't put out a lot of stuff recently. And I, I've talked, I may have talked about it on this podcast, but I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. I'll talk about it there, but I kind of want to mix up what I'm doing with the YouTube channel if I continue doing it. I just need a new Mac first. That's the main reason I am done. Oh, anything, well, don't we all? Don't dying. we all? Yeah. Um, I find my Mac works for a while. No, sorry. It's very slow when I turn it on. Maybe if I leave it an hour or two after turning it on, it will start to speed up. Yeah. No, mine I, just crashes. Mine can't, mine for some reason can't handle Chrome anymore. Um, and okay. that's the concerning thing. It's like when you're trying to trying to render like a ten minute video, and you're having str- you're having trouble opening an internet browser. It's time to get a new Mac. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you need to you need to get on that at some point. You need that more than you need a PS5, probably. But then again, I mean, so so do I. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I mean, like I have the money for a Mac. The un- to be honest, with you, the only reason I haven't pulled the trigger just yet is I hear that they may announce the new. 27 inch imax in mm. july i think was the date that someone told me so next month and so i'll wait to see how the specs are on them okay but i am to be honest with you, i'm thinking of just getting one of the new 24 inch colorful imax mm-hmm. because i'm like well my mac is eight years old because i bought it to do the podcast not even to do biographics so i'm like yeah. the the mac is eight years old well, mine's not as old as yours, and mine's struggling. So yeah, I can only imagine what yeah. yours is. <laughs> which, which you know, like I look at it, and I'm like, well, the specs on a 24 inch, like more accessible iMac, are probably still better than the specs on my eight year old, twi- like essentially iMac Pro, for lack of a better term. Hmm. So let's see. 
it looks nice too. It also matches my new headphones, which is like, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we gotta have that. Gotta, yeah, gotta, um, gotta get that. Yeah, but no, congratulations on that. It's uh, it's quite the the achievement, and uh, I know you have quite a, a following. I you saw a comment there earlier of someone there saying that you'd uh, help them discover lots of uh, new games, which I think is well, it's one of your intentions of doing these. It videos, is indeed, so. yeah, and I that's. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'll talk about it briefly here a second before we move on. Like, that's kind of been my intent for a long time with this, and obviously, as you well know, it was kind of a justification of me buying a lot of Game Boy stuff. Mm-hmm. As I have, you know, as I completed my collection, and yes, there are... There's a handful of Japanese games that I still want, but not too many. I've, I've naturally been buying less and less stuff, which means I've been playing less and less stuff because I'm like, well, I'm not in that room. I'm not taking stuff up there and going, oh, I'll play this. Um, it's been it's been one of those interesting things where as I've kind of like stopped collecting. I've kind of lost that urge to create content around things. There are still a lot of games that I want to show off, mm-hmm. but that urge of like, oh my God, I got this new game. I want to tell the world about it. has kind of worn off a little bit. But I, yeah. I also, I also kind of want to do something new with the channel. Like I'm still gonna cover game by games because that's what biographic is. But like, I want to do some side stuff, and I talk to you about this. But I, I want to do, I want to do some content that I think only I could create, and I can't find on YouTube. Which is, to be fair, very much the state of game by stuff. Like. Around the time I started, I think Jeremy Parrish started within a couple of weeks. You had people like, oh, I've forgotten, Ray Larrabee doing Game Boy Crammer as a podcast. Like, there was very little Game Boy coverage. And I was like, this system is amazing and no one's covering it. And other than those two people, and even um, even Game Boy Crammer ended. <laughs> Um, because Ray Larrabee said, essentially, like, yeah, I could make this podcast or I could just play games. Like, it's, I have time for one or the other, so I'm going to I'm gonna stick with this as being a hobby. Um, and even Jeremy Parrish of Retronauts fame has since diverted his attention to other things because I just don't think the same way that if you put out a video of NES or Super NES stuff and new things, I don't think that audience is there for the Game Boy in the same way. And mm-hmm. as you know, I'm not trying to make the, the biggest YouTube channel in the world. That's never been my intentions. It's always a hobby. But I've always tried to learn new things through editing video. And so now I'm just like, well, maybe. Like, I continue doing biographic stuff. I put out one or two videos a month of doing Game Boy stuff when I've got the Mac. But I also want to focus my efforts on doing something I think could be really interesting. I'm not going to tell you, say really what it is yet. Well, yeah, I, I'm getting the vibe it's not Game Boy related by what you're saying. Not necessarily okay. Game Boy related. I, I want to do something around games and design, but not game design because I know nothing of it, hence why I'm using uh, Game Boy. Oh, I get, I get what, yeah. what the angle you're coming at. Okay. Yeah, and cool. you, you roughly know this, but I don't want really, to... To be honest, I don't want to give the game away too much because I don't no, think no, no. doing this. So I want to I want to launch it first and then see what happens. Well, there but... we go. Spotlight on Game Boy and on Matt Attacks. Not often we uh, talk about it, but uh... no, I, especially in this context of like us actually having a conversation <laughs> around creation and everything else. Yeah, um, that's the thing you got to remember, haven't you? With um, you get into the, making these gaming YouTube channels and such because you love playing video games, but then you spend more time making videos than you do actually playing games. That's yeah, and <laughs> I, I can you... see. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, right, like, 
I'm f- I'm totally fine with that with the Game Boy because like mm. it takes me like four hours max generally to beat a Game Boy game unless it's something quite lengthy. Oh yeah, it's that's not... all right with Game Boy games. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I'm playing Chrono Trigger because as much as I would love to do like Yakuza coverage or Chrono Trigger coverage, it's like I can't record forty hours of footage. I just can't do this. Like this is not something I can do. It's not sustainable. No, it's always a challenge. I find it when doing things like collecting the footage. You know, you want a variety of footage, yeah. but you know, you can't, it's a huge ordeal to record so much footage from like, you say you've played 20 hours a game like I have Biomutant, and I want to show certain things, but in the end I just show some short clips from the beginning of the game because, you know, recording it every time I'm playing it, it's storage concerns there and yeah. transferring and downloading. and it, it, Yeah, anyway, getting yeah. off on a tangent. Let's talk about uh, a game I've been playing recently, uh, which we uh, did mention on the podcast last week. Yeah. And Matt was surprised I hadn't played it yet. But I was saying, I was I played the demo. I thought it was a bit average. Oh, you bought it. Interesting. I was waiting for this to go down in price. <laughs> when I did have a look, I was like, oh, God, it has gone down in price, hasn't it? And that game is uh, Balan Wonderworld. Right. Before you continue, I need to know... Did me guilting you into Yuji Naka's potential retirement have any influence on you buying <laughs> no, this game? Actually, no. I was thinking, uh, what cheap PS5 games can I get? Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. And, yeah. And enough. I was like, uh, oh, yeah, so this is, I can get it for PS4 and it's upgradable on PS5. So I'll just get oh, the PS4 nice. version for now, play it, and then see if it looks any better on PS5 because this game, now I think there's a lot to like and appreciate about it still. Uh, but it doesn't look great. Uh, okay. It is a shame. It it has issues for a game which looks quite simplistic. It doesn't run quite as well as you'd expect. We're not on Ratchet and Clank levels here, I'm afraid. Yeah, interesting. Uh, very much we're looking like Xbox 360, PS3. I I heard you'd late PS2 from some. Okay, people. well that's a little harsh. <laughs> I yeah, think. I think I thought so too, but I I'm still. Uh, but then again, there is vibes of uh, Sonic Adventure in there. But of course there is, because Yuji Naka. Yeah. And that is probably one of the main reasons to play it, because his games do have a certain charm and personality about them, which aren't really in a lot of other stuff. He is a unique um, creative force. Yeah, I mean... For a certain type of game. And if you like that type of game, then you're probably going to get something out of Banner Wonderland. Wonderworld. It's it's so easy to say Wonderland. Wonderland, yeah, so it goes. Yeah, anyway, but it, yes, I would say it's a little rough around the edges. It doesn't sort of live up to the standards of even the PS4 uh, in terms of uh, technical proficiency. Um However, it's got some... The, probably the best thing about it is its uh, character design. The, the imagination within the, the characters and the very unique uh, designs in the game. Uh, the, it's very odd. I don't know how much you know about this game, but it's got a very vague plot. No, I know nothing of this game. Okay, two, gid, two kids uh, stumble... You can't have play as a boy or a girl, so the, the introduction video shows these two kids stumbling upon this, uh, like a theatre. Um, and there is Balan... I think he's called Balan. The top. There's really no sort of explanation for this. Do you he's, play he's just, as him? No, no. You play as one of the kids, like in Knights. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's like, "Come into my Wonderworld," and then you're just transported into Wonderworld. You're like, "Okay, what am I doing here?" And you're in this sort of hub world, which is grassy, and there's all these little chow-like creatures hopping around and 
like, all oh, right, okay. The idea is you collect gems and levels, you feed them to the, the tower-like creatures, and then they create this big tower in the middle of the uh, hub, which I don't know what it does, but, you know, keep collecting gems, keep feeding it to them. Similar to Mario Galaxy, actually. You, know, you collect stars and you feed it to the star. Yeah. That sort of thing. Anyway, so you, you're, the first world's open to you. There's two acts. There's a theme for the world. The theme of this is uh, a farm. And there's a farmer who's been... Um, something's happened to him. He, the evil character in the game, which I don't even know the name of the evil character. There's an evil character. The evil version of Balan. Right? Yeah. He's done something to the, the farmer. Badly. And you play through the level. You beat the boss. And then you do a dance number with the farmer. And you've restored peace to the farm world. Yeah, I hear there's a lot of like dancing and stuff within this game, which again <laughs> is a very Yuji Naka thing to do. Yeah, it's got great music. Uh, at times, even it sounds like Sonic Adventure. At times, when you finish like a stage or something. Uh, so <laughs> you go into the next world, which is water themed, and the same thing happens. It's about the the diver and the dolphin, or something. It's called. Each each level's got this sort of title. And it's this brief story as you go into the level and then you do the same sort of thing again. But every level introduces like four or so new uh, abilities, new costumes that your character can wear. Yeah, but I've heard that the the old abilities don't transfer over to the new costumes, no. right? Uh, so, so the abilities are tied to the level. So you, yeah. those costumes are available within that particular series of levels. And then you get a new lot for the next lot. I think there's 12 worlds, 12 levels, yeah. two acts each. So I'm imagining by the end of it, you've had so many different costumes. I don't know how they're going to keep coming up with these ideas because they're quite unique. Like the sunflower, for example, you can stretch your body so your head's high in the, the sky. And, you know, and, right. and that's how you get certain gems and such. And it's like one's in the water one where you can travel up a vertical uh, body of water there's like these columns of water and one lets you travel vertically up it one lets you travel across the horizontal ones and you have to think about which costume obviously to use to get through the level there's so many trophies to collect within each level like a mario game like stars or jiggies like in banjo kazooie you don't have to get them all but uh, you do have to get to the end of the level there's usually some sort of like guardian at the end of the level, which is like a mini boss that you have to beat, and then you can go through the door. Right. And there's a progression to the level, so uh, the switches every so often that need you to use a different uh, costume to activate yeah. the switch, and then that's how you progress through the levels. And you try and get as many trophies as you can throughout the level. There's different ways you can get them. Some are just hidden within the level. Some you do like a little uh, little task, like a football or baseball mini game or something yeah. like that. Uh, it's quite charming. I'd say that the game oozes charm. What it lacks in technical prowess, it makes up in charm. <laughs> of a yeah. certain type of game, which is like it, it's a game that could have been released for the Dreamcast in terms of how it's the gameplay is. Yeah. And even to an extent how the, vis the the visuals are, I think they're slightly better than Dreamcast visuals. Yeah. However, uh, yeah, it, it feels like a game from a long time ago, like an old school platform game. Yeah, but I, 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 the, I've also heard that there are elements to that game that are... The kind of hint that it may have been developed also with mobile in mind, right? Isn't there only one button... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so when when I think about it, there's not lots of attack moves. Each 
costume has one thing it can do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's... when you get in a costume, some can't even jump. When you're in some costumes, you can't jump, I don't think. This yeah. is what I cheered. So yeah, you have to and... change costume to jump in some cases. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. Like, the, the whole idea of that aspect of, like, having to change to do certain tasks. Yeah. I think that's what the most appealing thing about it, to me. That seems a bit And that's what to makes me, like... it unique. Don't get me wrong. It makes it sound interesting. It makes it sound like a unique experience. Mm. But I'm also not entirely sure... I think this it is one of those appears. games that people are going to look back on and someone like Metal Jesus Rocks is going to say, Hidden Gem. Well, I mean, absolutely. But I, I think mean... it's going to be one of them. But it's not a game... I wouldn't give it... A, out of 10, I wouldn't give it a very high rating. It's it's above average, I would say. But yeah. it's really not going to be to everyone's taste. Some people are going to see it like a relic of a video game that belongs in the PS2 era or something like that. Um, but other people who like Yuji Naka are going to go, oh, this feels like I've never played a game since maybe uh, Sonic Adventure 1 even that felt like yeah. this. Yeah, and I, I get you know. that. And like, Well, Billy Hatcher of... probably is a good, <laughs> a good one, or uh, Rodea, you know. But I think this is more in common with Sonic Adventure and Billy Hatcher than just with Rodea, for instance, or yeah. Ivy the Kiwi or, or, or any of the prope games. I mean, so for me, Rodea wasn't a great game. Rodea the Sky Soldier. Well, you played a bit of that, didn't you? Yeah. I did, yeah. And I mean, it was interesting to me that the Wii version was better than the Wii U version. Like, that was always the thing that struck me. I can't remember it that well. So it might have more in common with Balan than than, than that. But the fact that this is a platformer, I guess, makes me think of Sonic Adventure. Yeah, but for me, like, Rodea was something of like Yuji Naka trying to look and interpret the world of video gaming at that point in time mm. and especially like a lot of the epic style games that were coming out of Japan things like Xenoblade and going like right I'm going to make an epic mm. Yuji Naka game with a unique I... gameplay mechanic that's always yeah. a Yuji Naka thing he's going to do exactly. something different but I I I think it I think it missed the mark because of that because he was not being true to who Yuji Naka is Mm. And I actually, kind of sadly, hearing you talk about this as someone who actually really likes Yuji Naka, and I, I don't mm. get, I don't see that this is a terrible game. I think this is a very much, if you have played the work of Yuji Naka, you will know what to expect. I kind of see, though, the same thing that happened to Treasure towards the end, where yeah. they were trying to like make 3D games, where they were clearly like, experts at making 3d games i 2D think 2d games uh, 2d games like yeah. they they were coming up with the limitations of what they wanted to do and were able to say in the space yeah and i think yuji naka is kind of there where i think yuji naka makes a particular kind of game but I think games have moved on from where you. Yeah, no, it can't is. compete with what other you know kids are playing other games like Ratchet yeah. Clank, for instance. You know, yeah. and then around the same time they're being offered Balan. I, it it would appeal to me at the age you know I would have been when. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I go back in yeah, time, yeah, yeah. and that game was to come out when I was younger, and it was that would be it would be like most of the other platformers that around that time, but it would still have that unique. Yuji Naka twist, and I think it would have been more accepted. It coming out now against other things, even like the new Crash 
for instance. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> dear me. Yeah. It's sad. It just feels sad. And it feels like actually something went wrong in the production because there's a level which the levels undulates, the, yeah. the, the ground undulates. And it does so at such a jerky frame rate that I wonder what's going on. The game's not pushing the PlayStation 4 it, yeah. at all. But still, you've got this graphical thing that's really looking work. ropey. And yeah. usually I can you know, look past things where I don't notice these technical imperfections I mean, we literally talked games. for the last three weeks about how we don't give a shit about frame rate. Yeah. Like, oh, boy. But yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's there. And it's very obvious that there's something not right there. It's not been optimised for the PS4 that well. And I expected yeah. the PS4 version to be leagues ahead the, of the uh, Switch version. But actually playing it, they're kind of similar. Really? But then again, I only played the Switch version on a Switch screen, so I don't know what it looked like on a TV. Yeah, it's been a while you... since I played that. So I wouldn't say there's a lot of difference. Now, that makes me even more intrigued to see what the game looks like on a PS5, if it is a lot different than the PS4 version. And I don't know if it will be. I wonder if the game was hindered by development for the switch and the team not being able to perhaps have the resources to optimize for all three versions and so they tried to scale it up and scale it down yeah i think like, okay, we, need meet, we need to meet a medium here that works on all three of these consoles and perhaps that's hindered it oh well, yeah of course you've got the switch to a ps5 there yeah so that's quite a broad uh, not many games are released for all three although um phoenix immortals rising is that a game I yeah, can't remember the title. Rising is, is, a, is a video game by Ubisoft, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that's on the Switch, you know, and it's on the PS5. So there are examples yeah. of, of games which are across those formats. Yeah, but usually usually the games run good on PS5 and PS4 and run like dog shit on PS on the Switch is what I've seen. Is that, mm. It's why I, I didn't get Persona, Strike it, Persona 5 Strikers on the Switch because I've heard it was rough. Yeah, and that does make me wonder if we see Biomutant on the Switch, but I don't think so. I mean, hey man, I'm still looking at that um, how long to beat and going, hmm, maybe there's going to be something at E3 where they announce this, but hey. That's what? what, what? Biomutant on Switch? Biomutant on Switch. Yeah, it was on, do you remember, I was, we were talking about this last week, it was on how long to beat. Said Switch. Oh, yes, we had a did. conversation. Yeah, sorry, it, yeah. you said that. Yeah, I've played 20 hours on Biomutant, just, to, just for a side note here. Are you not on the end of it yet? No, my progress has slowed somewhat since uh, last time we talked about okay. it. I'm still enjoying the game, but I'm not playing it as much as I was when I first got it. Okay, fair. But uh, yeah, I've got two of the world eaters now out of the four four of them. and Yeah, anyway, I'm still enjoying the game. But uh, I've been playing other things like uh, Resi 7 I'm really getting into. Played yeah. a bit of Balan, of course, we just talked about that. Also, Outriders, I tried the other day. You know, I hear that's a very good game. I hear there's some very cool stuff in there, but also, like, it can be very annoying. Mm, I've played through the first hour of the game. A lot of that's just establishing the story. And it's difficult to say at the beginning of that what it's going to be. A yeah. third-person cover shooter. But it's only, like, nearly an hour into the game they introduce special powers. Yeah. You choose sort of a class, uh, the, the pyromancer I am. That's a class I chose yeah. in the end. So it's it's a third-person cover shooter with a more fantastical element brought in, like magical powers and such. But actually, the whole setup is very cinematic. Um, right. The acting's very good, voice acting and everything. The presentation's extremely nice. It's very um, cinematic. 
And yeah, this is what I hear. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard it's kind of fallouty in its tone in places and world. But well, you also... got survivors in a in a sort of war torn world. I yeah. suppose is is yeah but your I, survivors yeah. But but I've also heard the tone of the writing is quite bullet storm, and that's kind of the thing that's put me off. I think the characters there. talk in a very naturalistic way, which I okay. quite like, and the main guys kind of kind of cool. There's a funny moment at the beginning where you're talking to a scientist, you know, about some techie stuff, and then she decides that she'd have might like a selfie with you just after. On her little on her little tablet, she was just showing you these uh, very important scientific documents on. So your main character's a pose with his, you know, his two fingers, you know, like the piece. Uh, what does yeah. that mean now? Two fingers the opposite way around, pointed downwards. I don't know what these kids do nowadays. <laughs> I don't know these kids. It's how yeah. they pose for photos. So he's sort of like happy-go-lucky guy, but things happen at the start of that game, which uh, changes. Uh, yes, and I, I understand that stuff. It sounds interesting. Like, ha- yeah, if I had Game Pass, I'd give it a go. I don't. Yeah, so yeah, I'm kind of waiting for it to come down on price. That's the only reason I've played it. Yes, otherwise I wouldn't have played it. Yeah. Also, the fact that the Game Pass app was offering you like fifty extra points or something for doing something in the game. Ah, uh, okay. And points mean prizes. You know, it's like a exactly. reward scheme. Yeah. I know so you, you sometimes try games based on the fact you'll get some points for them because you'll eventually get money off and get a voucher at some point. Yeah. It's, it's a clever way, but it works, you know, because you play games you wouldn't It normally. incentivizes you to play games you wouldn't otherwise. No, it, it definitely does. Have um, you played Resi 7 yet? I haven't. I have it here. It's literally sat ah, in front of my You're TV. missing out. Cause I know. I'm, I, I can't believe it took me so long to play it. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's challenging, but it, you keep coming back to it. Uh, it feels very much like an old school Resi game, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is nothing new because this game's been out forever. Everyone's talked about this yeah, game. For sure. It's a return to that survival horror roots. Stuff like, um, oh yeah, I really want to pick up that shotgun. Every time I pick up that shotgun and that statue, a statue is holding a shotgun, right? Yeah. This door closes and I can't get out of the room. Oh, and then you find the broken shotgun. And so you've got to replace the shotgun with the broken one and you take that yeah. very Resident Evil. Collect the like the medallions to open the door. The three dog heads. There's this yeah. embossed metallic embossed dog with three Cerberus three heads. And you have to collect each one of the heads to open the door. You know, yeah. oh god very <laughs> But this no, it's man. cool. It's very good. I'm you transpose that old school design into th- first person and it works. They've done it really well. Yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things. I, that's why I keep getting out of the library. I actually, I got it out of the library and I realised, wasn't it on PlayStation Plus at some point? Don't I actually own this game digitally oh, now? Oh, is it? I don't know. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, I, I've been meaning to play it. To be honest with you, the weather's just been too nice. I've just been reading lots of books. I oh guess. yeah, you don't want to play it when it's sunny because you have to close the curtains. Exactly. It's not a and game like... you can play in the day. You have to play it in the evening. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's July in it's almost July in Denmark. We're in June, and you know, it, it the night doesn't come until like midnight. So. Is, yeah, that's a good point. It's not the right time to play Resident Evil. Then they release Village in the yeah. summer. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, hey, people people like to play with the lights on, Tom. I respect that, but yeah, it's not it's not my Resident Evil vibe. I like it in the dark and oh, I, I have why to I'm play, doing this to myself. Play Resident Evil at night in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I just want to briefly touch on. I did play World's End Club on my phone. I redid the tutorial section of the game I played on Switch last week because, as I said, mm. it was on Apple Arcade. Uh, 
I don't think it's very good on a touchscreen. Uh, the, the control is... Uh, it does a weird thing with the control, and I didn't even finish the tutorial because of it, because you have to... You kind of, like, swipe to run either direction, which is fine. So, like, you swipe right to run right, you swipe left to run left, and you hold your finger on the screen then, and the character keeps running. To jump, you have to do, like, a weird, like, swipe motion with two fingers, and it just doesn't feel natural. Mm. And so there's a... You almost have to take your finger off the phone to do the swipe gesture to jump, and that doesn't really seem that intuitive for platforming. And I was like... There are some sections in this game where you literally are running against a timer from I played in the demo. I'm just going to die and be frustrated with it. Which has actually got me looking at controllers for the iPhone because I want to play um, Fantasian, which is the the new game from Mistwalker Studios. Yes. From I, Final Fantasy. Yes. Uh, oh, what's his name? Do you remember? Because I can't I can't remember his name either. <laughs> Yamaguchi. Is he called Yamaguchi? Yamaguchi? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I wanted I wanted to play that game so much, and I that's the reason I got Apple Arcade was because I saw it was out. Mm. I just it, it just needs a controller. Like that's the sad reality of yes. it is I have it. Yeah. I've downloaded it. I'm keeping Apple Arcade so I can play it. Some games do need a controller. But I need a mean. controller. That's that's the thing. I heard so the, I... the recently released Ninja Gaiden collection on PC requires you to play with a controller. Yeah, <laughs> I've also heard. That that yeah. collection isn't very good. I've heard the Ninja Gaiden really? one is restored quite nicely. I've heard Ninja Gaiden two and three are pretty raw. That's that's interesting because it's something I was interested in checking out uh, because obviously liking those games and thought it'd be a good way to play them again. Hmm. I hear not a great port. I hear it. As well, not no, I've heard the PC port's needs. not that good because it doesn't actually do a lot of things people expect out of PC ports of console games nowadays. But I assume the console ones would be okay. I, I at least hmm. the Switch one doesn't seem very good. Oh, it's on Switch. Yeah, it was on Switch. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. I saw a review on Nintendo Life, so I would assume so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine this. Well, Switch would be the poorer one, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. I yeah. Mean, uh, to this conversation. <laughs> but we haven't talked about Ubisoft. Do you want to quickly talk about this? Yeah, I I haven't watched this. I have to admit. Right. I know it is E3 season. There's a lot going on. Well, like, I'll tell you about also it. Had one. Yeah? yeah, go on. Pick okay. your picture with words. So, Rainbow Six Extraction was their big one. They spent ages talking about that. I skipped through it. All I could see was Rainbow Six with aliens, okay, monsters. That is terrible because, obviously, I didn't watch it, so I can't say much about it. It didn't interest me. Uh, so, uh, they've got a new Just Dance, of course. God, starting with... <laughs> yeah, starting with uh, the high notes, the things you're really interested in and we really want oh, to talk about. Oh, Rabbids. Sorry, Rabbids. Uh, so, a sequel to Mario and Rabbids. Yeah. I, I, I'm done with that. More I like that, that game. That, yeah. And Riders Republic looked cool. So first it like just a mountain bike racing game with like 60-odd races at a time, downhill mountain bike racing, which was like, yeah. wow. And then they showed like these suits which you can fly around in, like gliders with engines that you wear. Okay. Uh, so this sort of like racing through like uh, caverns and uh, yeah, it looked really good and then uh, there's other vehicles as well like bicycles with like uh, rocket boosters on them and things okay <laughs> um, look like a fun massively multiplayer racing game with lots of races at any one time okay cool. it had that sort of uh, what's it called what's that game that was <laughs> amped it looked like amp 3 kind of style stuff oh you you have me interested 
Okay, it was sort of that stylistically, it reminded me that all the latest Dirt games, you know, like Dirt 5, for example. Okay. Um, that's a sort of vibe about I'm, it. Colourful. I'm just going to check myself here. Amped is the snowboarding game. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good. Just, it may be not as extreme as Amp 3's presentation. Oh, I fucking but... love Amp 3. Amp 3 is yeah. Amp 3, Tom Parry, deserves to be on Metal Jesus with people going, this is a hidden gem, because it bloody is. Yeah, oh. He loves SSX anytime to mention SSX. I mean, I, I think everyone loves SSX, though. I think that's the issue. Yeah. Amp 3 is good. So Rise Republic looks great, in my opinion. Uh, I guess they, they, they did, uh, what's that? Rocksmith Plus, some sort of subscription service for loading the guitar. So new oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. It seems like I now have a guitar that I could play with Rocksmith. That would be nice. Oh, well, there you go. So so Ubisoft are catering for you there. They talked about the usual things like uh, Assassin's Creed, an add-on for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm yep, probably missing something here, uh, trying to remember everything. Rainbow Six Siege has got some add-on to it as well. There's an add-on for Far Cry 6, which lets you play as the villains. Yeah. From previous Far Cry games. Okay. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora is looks like a big open world Avatar game from the developers who did the Division. Yeah, um, one of someone I know worked on that game. It looks quite interesting. It looks if you want an Avatar game, it looks like it's going to definitely tick all the all the boxes. There. Let's see if that film ever gets released. <laughs> yeah, 2022, uh, this game will come out. No I mean, mention of Beyond Good and Evil 2, but I think uh, since the director... Is it Michel Ansel? Uh, uh, yes. He, he created the game. He's since been excused from Ubisoft. Is that correct? Following I, some allegations, some bad I behavior think, in the workplace? I think so. I'm not too sure. I think it took a long time for that to escalate because he was good friends with uh, the director of the company. Yeah. Um, yes, but I don't know if that's had an effect on Beyond Good and Evil, but that's been in development, like, what, the first trailer was 2008 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, but I think they, they when they redid it in, like, 2017, 18, yeah, when they showed 2017. it, I, I think they had admitted, yes, this isn't, this isn't the same game anymore. We're redoing it from the ground up because it was going to be, first of all, it was going to be a very, like, straightforward, run in the mill, three D action game, from what I understand. And then they wanted mm-hmm. to make it this massive MMO thing. Remember, there was a whole campaign yeah. around like oh yeah, there was content a lot of hoo ha like. about it. At the same time as uh, what's that spaceship game? Um, no Star. Oh, Starfleet. No, Starfleet. Not Starfleet. Oh shit! What's it called? Oh my star god, I've forgotten the name of it. Star thing. Citizen. Star, star Citizen. No, not Star Citizen. The one that's like Star Fox. Oh god, you're the on toys. about... Um, shit, what the hell is the name of that game that I was really excited for, bought and was disappointed by? Starlink. Starlink? Well done. <laughs> god, Starlink, so many stars. Yes. You can now buy the starter pack for Switch from the Entertainer here in the UK uh, for $7.99. I, I keep seeing the ships Less in the like... Tenor budget shops here and thinking i should buy those ships they're nice toys and i'm just like oh, who, I, I don't need them I well don't they haven't mentioned them. the starlink sequel i think uh, that's done. well i mean like the the fact that every single one of those toys was quickly buried in Poundlands says a lot i think <laughs> what a shame really but um, yeah the ubisoft plus is a service they were promoting as well i had to really uh, look 
well, I read some articles about the presentation and none of them were focusing on Ubisoft Plus. And I was like, when I saw it, I thought, what the heck's that? And so I did find something and it's a PC only subscription service for like twelve ninety nine a month to yeah. have access to hundreds of Ubisoft games. Game Pass for Ubisoft, but only on PC. Yes, I, this is what I feared. But you can stream it to all sorts of platforms. Yeah, they, I mean, there was when um, Stadia launched and these kind of things. They were they were looking into that. Yeah, so you would use it with Stadia or whatever on your phone. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It, yeah, not something I was particularly interested in because I was thinking like Ubisoft games tend to be bigger games. I associate them with uh, Rainbow Six and um, Assassin's Creed and and such. And then thinking. Yeah, you can't play or Far Cry, of course. They're big games. Yeah. You know, you're paying twelve ninety nine a month. You're never going to play. You know, I mean, you can in dip and in and out, can you? You can dabble with them in the same way that you, Tom Parry, just admitted you played Outlander, which is a oh, I did. Uh, I suppose you can dabble with them, but you're thinking of um, Assassin's Creed, hundreds of hours you could potentially spend playing one of them. You know, you've got how many on that Ubisoft service? Ah, uh, you have no idea. Yeah, there's so many Assassin's Creed games. Lots. Lots and lots of Assassin's <laughs> um, Creed. And that was Ubisoft Forward in a nutshell. Uh, I may have missed something. I apologise if I did. Uh, I can't say, other than Riders Republic and, you know, Mario Rabbids looks good, but I haven't played enough. I haven't finished the first one, so. Yeah, I, I did. I, I completed that first game. Okay, so those wanting more Mario Rabbids, then that, that's going to be there. It'd be interesting to see what other characters they... Uh, they they uh, appear. Rosalina is in it. Oh really? Uh, yeah, and I saw like uh, this her star friend. Like, yes, the little rabid, star rabid, thing. Rabidified, so it had like a rabid face. <laughs> okay. So there'd be some fun things in that, I think, and the gameplay was really solid. So more of that should be fun. Grand. Uh, yeah, there you go. Ubisoft and Microsoft's next as time of recording this. Uh, yeah, and of, then uh, followed by Sony, right? Yeah, Sony after, yeah. So I think we'll wake up to a lot of video gaming news tomorrow. Oh, we oh we will, yeah. Um, let's see what happens. Will we see Halo Infinite, probably? Well, I mean, will we see Fable, know. probably? I don't know. I I mean, you you're gonna see Fable. You're gonna see Halo. I wonder if you're going to see what the ha- it's not Starfleet, is it? What is the Bethesda? St- There's also a Starfleet. Oh yeah. Is it like a new Bethesda open world roleplay thing? No? Yes. Um, In space. Yes. Oh. Okay. Um, shit! What is it called? <laughs> Starfield. I was right. That's what I was thinking of Starfleet. Starfield is from Bethesda. Because yes. it's builders. Starlink is from Ubisoft. Star Citizen is from crazy people on the internet. Yeah. Xbox Bethesda showcase. Yeah. Well, I mean, so Bethesda's I... getting you know top billing there. Well, yeah. I mean, of course they are. I mean, mm. it's because I think they kind of have to for a while, right? Because I mean. Your average person on the street isn't going to know that the new Elder Scrolls is exclusive to Xbox. Why would you? Like, What do you think about that? Wise business decision? Can't you make more money if you just release it on more consoles? I mean, they probably will, right? I mean, they do that with Minecraft. <laughs> like, you have to assume. But, I mean, also, if you really want to stick it to Sony, I think you've got to do that. Well, Phil you could Spen- argue that... Go on. 
Phil Spencer was apparently out there as well talking about um, his his trip to Japan. And so I'm very curious to see what that entails. I guess it's going to be ah. Kojima making a game for the Xbox. But oh, exclusively for the Xbox. That would that would be interesting. I mean, to be fair, timed, it wouldn't sell me a PlayStation because I played his game that was exclusive to that. And I, I have mixed feelings. Yeah, a death. Oh, uh, Death Stranding's being re-released, so isn't it? It's getting a director's cut, and apparently there's in a if, lot of stuff in there that's Metal Gear, and people are like, "Hmm." Is that getting a port to Xbox? I have no idea. I mm. have not looked into it. Do you think we'll ever existed. see Final Fantasy VII on Xbox? No. I'm I'm very curious to see what comes out of Sony's conference around Square Enix, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, Final Fantasy VII is exclusive to the console. Um, obviously, with in, Integer... Integrate. Integrate. Integrate, thank you. Um, again, I, I have not followed this very closely because I can't fucking play it. <laughs> um, the... You know the the exclusivity of uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, oh, by the way, um, I beat Final Fantasy fourteen. Ten oh, yeah. days, fifteen hours, seven minutes. It took me you to just go drop this in near the end of the podcast. Just throwing this, this big, in at the end of the podcast. I talk about it every week, and I'm probably not going to for a while. I'm just getting that in there. So um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Square exclusive stuff on the PlayStation, and so I I I had also heard the rumor that apparently. Sony was looking to acquire them at some point. So, let's see. Maybe they have. But there is Maybe. Square Enix stuff on Game Pass. There is, yeah. But, I mean, hey, Tom, anything Correct. can happen. I well, mean, anything can change. Fucking I mean, Deathloop was a PlayStation 5 exclusive and now Microsoft owns Bethesda. Like, that means nothing. <laughs> it's crazy. One thing you won't hear in the, sadly, in the Square Enix presentation is a new game from Eugene Acker. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how it goes. I wonder if there's any headlines about him being Eugene knackered. I was about to make the same joke. I was going to say, I wonder if he's too tired to make. If he's fed up, because he's talking, he made a statement and he said, "I'm 55 now. I might as well just retire." Yeah. I'm like, oh god, that's such a, someone who's so passionate about making video games. You know. Yeah. All through his life, and he's like, "Well, they don't want to know." I mean, maybe I just. The thing is, right? Eugene knackered should just make a small independent studio and make these things. He but did, I think... though, didn't he? Yeah, but I, I mean, he, he did, should just keep. Keep... He can continue to do that. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to make Balan Wonderworld. He can make just like small games that are interesting and are very Eugene Acker. Well, he's got good ideas, so... I mean, he um, clearly doesn't need that much of a technical team, does he, if he's making like late-era PS3 games on the PS5. So... <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry, that's that's really flippant to me. I apologise, Eugene Acker. Clearly a long-term listener of the podcast. Uh, you'll never hear this, will he? You'll never know uh, my, my adoration for the man. I mean, I feel the Kiwi looks nice. I, just, I feel the Kiwi's like a minimal game. He could make more I feel the Kiwi is what I'm saying. I feel the Kiwi too. I feel the Kiwi too. There we go. Can get there on go. it, Eugene Acker. Get on it, Eugene Acker. Pull yourself up by the chin straps, my boy, and make I feel the Kiwi too. Oh. Billy Hatcher all grown up. I want to see it. Oh, yeah. The possibilities are endless. Yep. So it goes. Um. Yeah. I guess that brings us to the end of this this bumper episode of the podcast. There won't be one next week, right? Is that what we're saying? Is I, we commit into that. I would the say moment? so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Which is a shame because I mean, obviously, there'll be a smorgasbord of E3 announcements over this next it, week. But can I say it could happen? 
Things are I up mean, in the air for me currently, so I'm not sure. Let's see. Um, I mean, obviously, the, our listeners, I think, at this point are no strangers to us missing a week. Which, we'll, we'll try and get you that uh, hard-hitting E3 podcast as soon as we can. To to be fair, though, I, I do imagine anyone who's listening to this podcast is probably getting their E3 news directly um, via... Oh, yeah, they don't get their E3 news off us. Remember no, exactly. last year, last E3, that's whatever, we... Was that even last year or the year before? Wouldn't have been last year because there was no E3, was it? No, it was the year before. I mean, it's not like, um, you know, we are the equivalent of receiving a messenger pigeon of E3 news um, we, in a world <laughs> no. of email. We did say we weren't going to talk about E3 last time we talked about E3. We didn't yeah. talk about it till like, way after it actually happened. No, we didn't. And that yeah. was because we kind of wanted to talk about it all in one chunk. And I, mm. I also just think, like... Everyone, everyone knows about E3. Everyone's going to have a hot take on E3. But they, so, yeah. they, we want our opinions. I know, E3. Tom. People are here for us for because we're personalities. But I, it's, I don't know. It's um, it's interesting this year, especially. Have you seen that um, Jeff Keighley had posted that E3 had essentially told him, "Yeah, if you stream over our conference and talk about you, we're going to see the shit out of you." Oh in no, not so I many words. That. Um, well, there's lots of people Jeff, are streaming. Like people are streaming Ubisoft. I know that Jeff. One. Yeah, but Ubisoft is not part of E3 proper. That's ah. the difference. And so I uh, apparently a lot of um, influencers and stuff got a thing yesterday saying like, "Hey, if you're not an official partner of E3, which I don't think many people are, um, you know, maybe don't talk over a conference." And it's just like, yeah, but. You realise I'm not going to watch whatever idiots you've paid to talk over this. Like I want to actually hear from the people I trust within this the space and the media. Yeah, because people may just watch not the official Microsoft one. They may yeah. watch other streams. Yeah. That they prefer the presenters. Of. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's how I've always engaged with E3 is through like Giant Bomb. And I guess this year, God... Oh, this year's going to be weird. I'm going to watch... Um, well, I mean, I, I listen to the podcasts, but I will be watching Waypoint's coverage, I guess, maybe this year, which is Vice Gaming's uh, podcast. Let, let's see what happens. Maybe I'll just watch the regular Sony ones. Like, if they can't do that anymore because of... Well, I have to say, if the standard of presenting is going to be anything like the Ubisoft one, then, uh, oh gosh... It'd be a bit cringy. Uh, what I noticed about the two people presenting the Ubisoft one is how much they used their arms all the time to emphasise things. We've got this great game coming later. Mm-hmm. I'm just waving my arms around. You can't see it. You, you are but, waving um, your arms around, much in the same motions, though, that you were talking about, like people making gestures mm, in Outlander. Mm, so <laughs> maybe they're just down with oh, the kids yeah. and you're not, Tom. Yeah, down with the kids. It's like chore- choreography. It's like they've got their script. Well, they've no, also just... know that here I'm going to do several arm movements. It's projection. It's just yeah, they're using was, their arms for emphasis. It didn't look natural. Yeah, well, I mean, clearly, like it's, it's marketing people doing projection, but I mean, it's you know, like people use their arms to project. Like it's a it's a it's a common thing. They teach you that when yeah, you're yeah, but acting, it's, hor- it's horrible when it looks forced. But I mean, like that's the thing they're trying to emphasize everything, and then it doesn't work. Uh, no. Anyway. Let's stop talking about arm projection on a visual podcast because it's just going to be me and yeah. you flailing at each other over a webcam. Just Dan you... 2022 coming at you. 
Oh, Tom Sorry. brought his arm forward in a forward <laughs> motion that seemed energetic. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast without the visual aids, you can find us in a variety of places, um, such as on tomamattack.com forward slash podcast. We are on blastprocess.com. You can listen to it in a variety of places iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TomMattAttack, on Twitter at TMA, cast for the two of us at TomParry11Frame, at GameBoyle for me. I will also be on YouTube uh, today at um, forward slash GameBoyle uh, doing the State of the Nation thing. So by the time you've listened to this, maybe it'll be up. Maybe it'll actually be up tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. I need to see if I've got time to do it and do it how I want to and structure my thoughts in a way that's actually meaningful and me not going, thank you, yes, watch things. Um... So let's see when that comes out. Tom, you doing anything? Um... Uh, yeah, there's a, I'll be. Oh, I don't like saying this term because the kids say dropping. I'll be dropping Ooh. a video. I'll be dropping. Uh, <laughs> I keep saying it. Uh, <laughs> a new uh, episode of uh, what's that thing? Tom Games. Tom's Gaming World. Uh, if you right. listen to the podcast, though, you're probably not going to hear much new because I just talk about Biomutant and uh, Pokemon Snap. Okay, I... you can see some of my latest pickups if that sort of thing interests you. It but does. yeah, I'm not selling it, am I? No, you're not. <laughs> you you're talking you're talking down about your so your that... hashtag content, Tom. Be fair. I'm going to say it'll be going live. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be live. Go and check it out, on Blast Process uh, YouTube Good. channel um, or BlastProcess.com. I didn't mention my latest pickups. Um, <laughs> drop them in at the end because they're of no consequence. Yeah, drop I bought, them in. Your I bought a, I bought a copy of FIFA 18 and a copy of FIFA 19 for the PlayStation 3. What? Ten kroner each. Um, why? Be, because they're the last games released on the PlayStation 3 and they're worth a substantial amount of money. That's oh, why. I, I didn't know that. No. Nope. You could say that again. FIFA... FIFA 19, it's, it's the it's the same thing as like FIFA 12, 13, 14 on the PlayStation 2. It's just like, just like Just Dance is probably, I think, the last game released on the Wii. Um, it mm, yeah, turns okay. out that people who own consoles like playing sports games and so FIFA comes out quite late. I don't I know do if it's remember. officially the last one, but I it is FIFA 19, which is, if you remember... Two years old, so getting a FIFA game on the Wii U, and it wasn't cheap as I was expecting it to be. No. FIFA thirteen, FIFA thirteen on the Wii U in particular is not very expensive because uh, is quite expensive because it's the only FIFA game. Yes, Same, that's, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay, well it's football season, so yes, uh, maybe you football. should play some of your your yeah. FIFA games. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then. Right, let's wrap it up before we, we talk. Yeah, well, well, we're talking about FIFA, you know. We, yeah, we've hit exactly. The, it's time to, the it's end time of the to podcast. Okay, um, lovely speaking to you as always, Tom. Maybe there'll be a podcast yes. next week. Maybe they won't. But um, enjoy your E3 week, everybody. I am mm-hmm. hope that the game that you want is coming to a console that you own and are able to buy with physical money. Until next week, be sure to game on. Game on.
record in a second because I just want to say this last sentence after the end of the podcast. No one pays with physical money anymore. I'm clearly not done with the kids. It's all credit cards these days. Boo-hoo. What's that about? I I just I said uh, buy a console with physical money and I physical who 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 buys anything with cash? Uh, yeah, you can't a, buy a PS5 physical money right now. You no, can't you can't. You literally can't walk into a shop. And I mean, to be honest, even if you buy. could, they're probably not going to accept the money anyway. Why would you? Why would I've you I've put through that kind of money through a till before. I mean, I I have way back when when I when I bought a Wii. I think I paid with it with like my. With probably all ten pound notes because well I wasn't was... on the buying side I was on the um, you were on the side. the counting the money side and I was on the counting the pen. money side all well, those fifty notes you've got note. to double check yeah fifty pound notes does does the actual um, color on it the red color smudge that's how you would find out for fifty pound note really I, I thought you just used one of those little pens and it would just like burn the oh paper yeah you can, you can do was... that as well but yeah. we always used to do that. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. You just lick your finger and give it a wipe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay, right. I'm stopping recording now. Goodbye, everybody.